It's me, Dale Seaver, your host through the deep night. The hands on the clock tower read 4 a.m., and that means it's time for me to be your guide. Through this, the hour of regrets and revelations, you've tuned your personal listening equipment to the lower frequencies where podcasts live. And this is another episode of Dale Radio coming to you, as always, from the foul banks of the Goannas. Welcome and thanks for being here for this, the season eight finale of the program. It's been a season full of tremendous highs and uh, only a few lows. And before we get into the business of ending uh, the show uh, and I pack myself up into a vacuum-sealed space-saver bag in order to get in some much-needed R&R in my refrigerated storage unit in Dumbo, I thought I'd offer a few thoughts on the world as we leave it today on a warm evening in July of 2016. First of all, let's thank our sponsors, Cryo Vacations by Mark. Mark founded the company a few years ago and strapped for cash and sweating profusely. He decided he needed to get away from it all, on the cheap and in the cold. So he converted several storage units down near the flower market into deep-freeze vacation pods for the busy New Yorker. Vermont is nice, but cement is cooler. Spend a week or three months on ice and wake up restored and refreshed and ready to watch the leaves turn colors and for the end the cycle of decay to start once more. Cryo Vacations by Mark. Still two spots available. There's only three, and I'm in the other one. Well, my goodness, friends, here's what's happening. This show, as you know, uh, all season long, uh, and uh, maybe throughout its life, has been about characters and comedy. But for whatever reason, perhaps this year is uh, the year of the fire monkey and we're doomed to fall into chaos, just as the ancients predicted. Maybe because monkeys have been using tools for 700 years and they're sick of our nonsense. Or perhaps... Earth's second smaller moon recently discovered is affecting our internal tides. Uh, Whatever the reason, this year has been a stinker. And so, just as in the weeks following the tragic events in Orlando, I find myself, perhaps as you are, in a state of bafflement and rage and sorrow at the world that we live in. Alton Sterling, Philando Castile, the tragic events of Dallas, Black Lives Matter, And we need to say that, and tweet it, and Facebook it, and wear it, march it, sing it, and preach it, and yes, even podcast that as much as possible. You know, my dearest friends growing up were black. Now, that sounds like a punchline or some kind of defensive thing to say, but in my case, it was just true. I tried to lift my little pal bugger into a shopping cart, and I got a hernia. I was five, and he was a large child. I know a lot about DC Cab and New Edition and Roots uh, because of 
the Wallers. Uh, we didn't have differences at that point. They just had different stuff. And some of it was better and some of it wasn't. But we were just kids. And some of my favorite memories involved lathering up He-Man figures with skin cream and hurtling them down the wooden floor so they'd glide all the way down uh, the hall on Bugger's top floor. Bugger's dad also had a Mercury Cougar. And if there's a more badass car, well, I've never seen it. The cat logo? Come on, man. That was something. The Wallers and the Robinsons, I love them. I still love them. I always will. They were like family to me. And we're, we're all each other's family, and we need to treat each other better. That's, that's one of the takeaways uh, from this uh, past couple of weeks here. The next generation, I believe they already get it. The current one, this mucky one that I'm in and the ones above us, well, we're still living in the long shadow of slavery and racial division, no matter how many positive influences we had or how much culture we absorb and take as our own. It's something that gets handed down and handed down and handed down, the casual racist comments said over meat and potatoes, the sideways looks or the movement to the other side of the street, the tighter hold on a wallet or purse. These behaviors are embedded, and they're woven into us. It doesn't help that when these generations are in power in charge of making decisions, they, they put things into policy. And, and, and this kind of behavior and attitudes trickle down into the entertainment industry, where we all sit around watching things wondering, who is this for exactly? Rather than being inclusive or representative, stories are told. The stories we all have to rally. That's all we have to rally around. And the things that we have in common, the things that we discuss around the old water cooler or some kind of water filtration system, if that's what you have at your office. And these stories that get put out there in the global circulation, I'm talking about movies, that kind of thing, popular culture. These stories that get put out there without the presence of people of color or without the voices of black and brown people, well, that's just a missed opportunity. I went to the movies recently with our baby Pepsi growing taller every day she is. We went to see The Secret Life of Pets. Well, the secret uh, to the life of those particular pets is that no black people live in that city. Well, sure, there's one kindly older African-American gentleman who owns a destructive brown dog, but spoiler alert, he dies. So what's the lesson there? Big animated blockbuster, what role do people of color play in the modern fantasy about our lives or our pets' lives? How do we describe that absence, and how do we defend that absence? It's innocuous on one, on one hand. It may be an oversight on another, but it's, it, it becomes to where a person down this 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 absence this great hole that we have when you're watching something and then you you go to ride the subway home it doesn't match your experience or in your house or walking along the street or in your very own uh, existence where are you up there on this screen behavior and attitudes are learned and let's start teaching them in a way that is meaningful it can't just be hamilton out there it can't be the only thing it can't just be empire there's dragons and giants and witches and stone people on Game of Thrones, but two black guys in the whole place? Come on. That's a tragic deficit of the imagination. Black culture is American culture. It has been since the beginning. So how are we still having this conversation? For me personally, it means looking at my efforts and what I can do. Maybe the same is true for you. If you're a creator, a producer of content, a media person, say it to yourself, Black Lives Matter. More and more, I find myself articulating that I am an ally. I'm an ally uh, to LGBTQ. I'm an ally to those who identify differently via gender, uh, sexual orientation. I'm an ally to people of color. I'm an ally to those whose power has been suppressed or stripped away or taken. I'm an ally to the Native Americans. 
I have to take that seriously, and we all do, or it doesn't mean anything. I'll get a T-shirt if I have to, but I'm worried that people will think I'm just shilling for Ally, Ally Bank, which I don't understand because they don't have any branches. It's just a nebulous sort of maybe I don't it just I don't want confusion around it is what I'm saying. And uh, I also I'm not I don't like wearing any T-shirts that have words on them, let alone uh, advertising for a bank. I guess uh, what I'll say is that I think we can. I think we can overcome racial prejudice. I I have to believe that's true, and I probably for too long thought we had moved past it. But that's a white perspective, and it's easy to get lost in that, isn't it, if you're white? But I do think we have the capacity to get beyond it. I'm less certain that we can get away from the noxious poison that is the gun lobby. They're profiting from loss and from hatred, and they're targeting the weakest among us and offering them a false sense of power against a threat that doesn't exist. That's a pretty neat trick. And once a sale is made, well, they don't care what happens next, do they? Busy making another sale. Or buying a congressman to make it easier to increase access, uh, uh, to increase their bottom line. You want to come at me with Bible verses uh, with that? Well, it's not relevant because we have a separation of church and state in this country. But sure, let's turn to the good book and its many, many variations. Let's give old Timothy a shot, shall we? Here's what he had to say. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and to many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Love of money is the root of all evil. That's why I'm not sure we're going to escape the warmongers and the profiteers, ladies and gentlemen. I thought it was the snake that had all the evil in him, but he must have charged Adam and Eve for that apple. Probably a lot, too, because it was organic. The original bodega of Eden... You know, still, if I see a snake today, I'm going to check its pockets. Here's another thing driven by profit and part of our larger problem. There's a man right now, uh, maybe a coalition of them, I'm sure. I'm going to assume that they're white because this is a very white thing to do. And he's opened a replica of Noah's Ark in that most holy of lands, Kentucky. We all know that on long walks along the deck, Noah preferred to wear a coonskin cap. Ark Encounter is what the thing is called. Oh, I can't believe I'm talking about this. And while I prefer to visit the haunted honky-tonks and distilleries when traveling in the great bluegrass state, this guy and the Creation Museum team decided to build an ark. Now, look, I uh, am, I was just talking about this. You don't want to have a deficit of the imagination. By all means, embrace what is there bouncing around in your noggin. I'm all for people having vivid imaginations and using all of your capacities to, to, to wrestle things into reality, doing whatever it is that they dream, uh, make things real, chase Pokemons around a diner, whatever you want to do, as long as it's not endangering people or making people feel small. But building this kind of thing and charging money to see it, that's wrong. If you're a hobbyist and you build a plywood ark in your backyard and you invite your neighbors over, go for it. I love when a grown man devotes himself to building a tiny attraction in his yard. A truly beautiful sight uh, to see an elderly gentleman wearing an engineer's hat riding a tiny train around his azaleas. Uh, Don't try to push what you're doing. It's fact, though. Trains weren't that small. And the world didn't just happen in seven days. And that's what's happening over here with this ark 
encounter. They're polluting the word museum when you build something called the Creation Museum, and you're sure as heck missing the mark when you build an ark that features, among other things, dinosaurs lounging behind chicken wire and a wax figure of Noah modeled seemingly after Russell Crowe. Now, Russell Crowe did fine in that movie, but that's 100% not what Noah looked like. Setting aside the fact that uh, this is all fiction anyway, Noah was uh, not Australian, uh, unless he was a former prisoner from England. He was probably also not of European descent, given that it was happening in the Middle East. And for Muslim people, he's uh, a prophet in the Quran. And uh, we have numerous other cultures talking about a great flood, lest we forget Gilgamesh or Manu, the Indian shipbuilding god, or the Aztec couple who lived in a tree, had kind of waded out with nothing but corn, I believe. The earth is 70% water, and it rains a lot. Noah was not the only game in town. And, and probably all these Noah uh, variations are just ways for people without the Weather Channel to explain why the crops are gone and or how we came to live in this valley. How many times do you think, how did I get here? Well, every time I'm at a Denny's, I have to reevaluate my life choices that led to that moment. So my beef is not just with Noah being called out as the hero of this thing. I get it. It's the same as uh, having an Incredible Hulk ride at Six Flags. People know who the Hulk was. They like amusement parks, so why not? Well, it's the dinosaurs, folks. It's the din- That's what really steams my clams. You can't put dinosaurs on the ark. Number one, if there were dinosaurs on the ark, where are they now? Giraffes survived, but dinosaurs didn't? I don't think so. Also, chicken wire? Really? Did Noah invent that? Did he also make it super strong so the dinosaurs didn't eat all the other animals on that boat? (sighs) Number two, it's ignorant. Charging people uh, money to see ignorance, which then could be misconstrued as fact because they're presenting it as such, breeds more ignorance, and that is destructive. That's why we have people who don't believe in facts when presented to them. That's the kind of small-mindedness that gives into persuasive arguments that the government's out to get us, that we need guns everywhere, that public schools should be called government schools, that podcasting can be a viable profit model. This kind of thing is why we have people in power who say that science is an opinion. It's not. It's science, and it's true. It's the result of actual investigation using math and other stuff that's hard. A white fella sailing a giant ship by himself loaded up with a triceratops and a bunch of hippos is not true. It's a story that sells books and spreads lessons about practicing faith. But the child that sees that setup in a quote-unquote museum and then goes to the Natural History Museum but questions what he or she sees because it doesn't agree with what they saw in a field in Kentucky, well, that's the same kid that grows up refusing to believe that the waters are rising because of us. I hope every adult and child that pays to have an encounter with that ark is given an inflatable raft that they can use when climate change claims the last glaciers and we're all sad polar bears tired from swimming for food. Global sea travel today is still risky, as it was when people were telling stories about risky ocean voyages. Is it an ocean if it's just a long period of rain? My brain hurts. Today, down at the ports, where I go for my morning constitutionals, I saw a bunch of fellas gathered in hazmat suits and inspecting a shipping container. And I thought that's what the Ark would look like today, a bunch of shipping containers full of smelly stuff that would prompt calls to the authorities. And some poor guy would have to slip into a plastic suit on an 85-degree day and peer inside a gross metal box and hope for the best. But really, how good can it ever be when you're the emergency response hazmat team leader? Even your best day is someone's worst day. I bring that up only to say that progress is a tricky thing, folks. 
Now, I think we've prog- progressed uh, uh, here on this program throughout the season. And maybe we will as a country, as a nation, as a planet. Maybe progress is possible. The art guy gives me pause. But here on the show, here in this great season, I've made so many good friends and I've talked to some fascinating people. And I think you'd agree, wouldn't you? Podcasts are growing in popularity. I was just out in Chicago, Illinois, and they're having a podcast movement, which sounds like something that happens after eating a bad plate of podcasts. But I digress. It was, in fact, a wonderful gathering of podcasters and fans of this exciting new medium. Now, I should come clean and tell you that I didn't actually pay to attend the festival. But I find that a hotel concierge outfit is one of the, one of the easiest to duplicate. And if you walk with purpose and take elevators to high floors for no reason, one can gain access almost anywhere. And I have, over the years, uh, had the occasion to make several different hotel name tags. It's not important why, but the Hyatt Regency is among the most frequently used of my collection. Anyway, I audited many of the sessions. I learned a lot. I laughed a lot. From keynote speaker Kevin Smith, I learned to make sports jerseys appropriate for everyday wear. From Alex Blumberg, I found out that starting a podcast is hard. Of course, the real reason anyone goes to a conference of any sort is the social aspect of it, and we had some terrific parties. (laughs) Everyone recording every conversation. Well, it got a little bit old, but I had a blast partying till the wee hours and stumbling around for hot wieners and thick peaches after midnight. Chicago was warm and humid during my time, so I slipped into the Nordstrom's and bought a new swimsuit, which I used as underwear on my fourth day due to having sweat through all the pairs that I had brought in my suitcase. Folks, this season, season eight, eight seasons, eight of these. Can you believe it? It's more than 200 episodes now uh, out there in the world. It's a lot of seasons. This season is coming to a close uh, with this episode, and we will reemerge like a mighty phoenix in September with a brand new look, a new name, a lot of other things uh, that I'm still, uh, they're still formulating, to be honest. Uh, they're still percolating, still simmering back there in the burners of my mind. Um, you may see more Dale events live in New York City, Brooklyn, certainly some big shows around the country. And uh, as I said, I'm in the planning stages now, but I'm sure we're going to have a great time come September. So please uh, come back and visit us uh, then. I want to thank all the guests for this season. So many of them have such amazing projects happening all the time, but certainly right now, please just go out and check out everything that they're doing. Uh, you know, I, I try to list everybody with links to their pages on the website, and sometimes I'm successful with that. Um, usually it's very easy to track these people down. I'm going to list their names here, and as you listen, think about this fantastic uh, group of people. And uh, if you're not familiar with them or you weren't before listening to the show, uh, I'm telling you, these are the people that are really out there defining what comedy is, defining what culture is right now, and they're doing a bang-up job of it. Uh, It is a collection of the best and brightest, and it was an absolute joy to spend an hour or so with them, whether I was in their home or down at uh, Harvest Works or in some other places that I set up that I'm not going to talk about, but thank goodness they never caught us. So my thanks to David Walker, John Early, Kate Skelsa, Lady Rizzo, Cola Scola, Shauna McGarry, the Templeton Philharmonic, Brett Davis, Bowen Yang, Adam Wade, 
George Chen, Ariel Waldman, Andy Jean Wright, John Wolanski, Matt Besser, Kate Berlant, Cyrus Garumani, Megan Rosenblum, Nina Tarr, Molly Austin, Anna Fabrega, Shalewa Sharp, The Trumpet Boys, Hawk, Ham Sandwich, Mary Houlihan, Chris Shockwave, Sullivan, Louisa Diaz, Alex Lambert, Joe Firestone, and Aaron Markey. I will tell you, just as a means of updating you on a couple of uh, uh, the people that I've just listed, I'll tell you David Walker's still doing some excellent comics. His time on Cyborg has ended, but he's doing other work for Marvel, which I, I highly recommend. That's, that's one of the, the best you can do there. Uh, John Early, Cola Scola, uh, I mean, both so fantastic in their own right, doing so many of their own things. Um, John's in, I guess, every uh, uh, movie and uh, television show, Cole. Uh, the two of them are featured on the new season of Difficult People, which is out now on Hulu. Ariel Waldman's book, uh, What It's Like in Space, can be purchased on Amazon or other booksellers. Kate Berlant, oh gosh, Kate, she had such a great uh, star turn in the Netflix character series. Um, which is still up on uh, on that service. Anna Fabrega, wow, watching uh, uh, the Jim Gaffigan show the other day. And and who's on there? Julio Torres, Joe Firestone, Anna Fabrega. There, there you go. Pretty good. Erin Markey uh, has her show at the Duplex, which I hope that you've uh, checked out. And uh, it's just they're all great. These are all... I, uh, uh, they were, they're all um, doing such good work. It's it's fantastic. Shalewa Sharp's comedy album uh, is worth your dollars. Brett Davis continues to be fantastic on public access. And listen, everybody I named here is doing fantastic work, so uh, track them down. Um, uh, just the other day, I was, uh, you know, think about the guests that were on the show, and it's a, a beautiful arc. I, I sometimes look at the list of people who have graced this program, and I, I just think how fortunate I am to have spent some time with them and uh, to, to laugh, a little, uh, laugh a little bit with them. Um, just the other day, I was a, a guest uh, at Refinery29, some kind of women's collective, I gather, and uh, I was taking in an evening there with my very first live show guest, the the wonderful writer, comedian. I mean, she's won all the awards. She worked on Inside Amy Schumer, and uh, I just... She got the Peabody, I think, for that. Other things, Jesse Klein. Jesse's new book is called You'll Grow Out of It. It's out now. I bought my copy, had her sign it. She was in conversation with Vanessa Bayer, uh, which you can probably watch the the video. It was just a very warm evening. I think everyone, it got to the point that the shirt I was wearing, my arms were just gliding as I was walking. You know, that's how just... Warm it was. I gather the AC had kicked out, uh, kicked out, kicked off uh, <laughs> at six thirty, and weren't you? Wouldn't you know it? And there we were on the and the, the little rickety chairs. But it was a wonderful evening, and we all just sometimes you just want to sweat with another person, don't you? Know, doesn't that sound you want to? Well, you'll have plenty of opportunities this summer. But her book is great. Go buy all the copies. It's the kind of book that you're going to find in a basket at your next Airbnb, uh, Airbnb, 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 Airbnb. Airbnb rental, and uh, you'll be happy you did. It'll consume the better part of your stay, and you'll think, why did I even come to Greece? But in the end, it was like to find that book. And so, good, good. You know, it was worth it.
Also, I, listen, you don't need uh, me to tell you to tune into uh, how many shows does she have now? All the podcasts from our friend Phoebe Robinson, Two Dope Queens, So Many White Guys are the two that she's got going now. I'm sure by the time I finish recording this, there'll be another one. She's a treasure. Aparna Nancherla has a new album out. Are you watching her on Riot with Joe Fire? You should. You should. She's great. Uh, but I thought what I'd do here is also put forward two musical albums in case you want to break from talking or comedy or the news or rants about ARC fanatics. Our friend Camille Harris is launching a new album with a big party event at Littlefield in Brooklyn on July 29th. Camille is funny and talented and a great singer-songwriter, so please fill that place up. It's a big one. That's a big haul. You know what I mean? So get some tickets over there and, and get, get on it. And all episode, the music that uh, we've been playing uh, during the interstitials, is uh, from the new album from a friend of the program, season five guest, uh, a few years back, but Alexa Wilding. Since talking to Alexa back then, she's gone through the birth of twins, one of whom uh, had to go into the hospital for a prolonged period. Now he's fine, he's out, and uh, you can hear... Uh, here, here's the thing. You can listen to her struggle, her survival in the tracks of this album. It just comes through, and it's magnificent and uh, uh, encouraging as a listen. And uh, it's been described as kind of soothing and healing. Ah, let's have it. Uh, it's called Wolves. You can purchase that over on iTunes, Apple Music. We're including it today as a hopeful note, a sign that we can beat back the odds and live through this, all of this, all of what's happening. A lot of people say that we're better than this. We strive to attain something that's uh, maybe not real, like a water vessel full of uh, elephant dupes. As I get older, I'm not so sure. I think maybe sometimes we have to face what's in front of us and say, this is us. This is it. We are flawed and we have to deal with it. Whether that's a family member who's hurting or a systemic, deeply entrenched behavior, we have to get in the weeds and we have to fix it. So let's do the work. I hope you have a productive summer. Swim in a hole, eat something weird, be kind to one another. Articulate your allyhood. I value you as a listener and look forward to rejoining you with a brand new season of this program when we return in a few weeks. Now, till next time, I'll be making a pair of floaties by lashing some empty whiskey bottles together to use at the pop-up pool down by the bridge. It's technically just a super big puddle from a broken water main, but for me, it will always be a pop-up pool. Now let's get back to that great music that we all enjoy. Dale Radio is written and performed by James Bewley, musical director Steve O'Reilly. Season theme composed and performed by Shockwave. Podcast icon for season eight designed by Jenny Fine. Listen to Dale on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher Radio. And follow the program on Twitter at Dale Radio or on Instagram at Dale Seaver. If you'd like Dale to come to your local VFW or Elks Lodge, simply drop us a line at Dale Radio at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. You're the best. <laughs>